This is Fintech Cappuccino, your Saturday morning podcast with a pinch of espresso on the why and how of fintech. The show is hosted by Brian van Wachem, CEO of RedSnap, and I'm Connie Dorstein, founding partner of Bankify. Morning, Brian. I've got news for you. What? Tell me. Well, I thought it was time that we had a real tier one banker on the podcast. So I got uh, a gentleman from mind. No, not, not Ralph Hammers, is it? No, 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 no. This time we're going to talk to the man who's got his feet in the mud. The man who's going to make it happen. I'm delighted we've got Mark Buitenek. Oh, you're kidding me. Mm-hmm. The Mark. The Mark. And he is happy to give us some time on a Saturday morning. So you know what? Let's uh, get this together and do it. Excellent. Excellent choice, Connie. The look of love. Mark Bartenhek is the global head and lead for ING's transaction services, a bank he has worked for during his entire career. During that time, he has always been able to cast a much wider net with board memberships at both SWIFT and the European Payments Council as an advisory board member to MasterCard and more recently in non-exec but heavy supporting acts at a string of fintech companies such as Payconic, Payvision and TradeIX. Res ING on stage is well known for the very succinct strategy presentations by its CEO, Ralph Hamers, on the main fintech scene. Mark Buitenhag is the man who's been tasked with pulling ING's open banking strategy off the page and into the operation. From vision to strategy and operations, a huge task which he and his teams are delivering in collaboration with countless colleagues inside the bank. But the buck stops with him. Let's get to know Mark and see what drives him a little better. The look of love. Welcome, Mark. What song is this and why is it so perfect for you on a Saturday morning? <laughs> well, a, uh, a Saturday morning is about chilling out, doing actually really nothing. Um, and that comes with a song that has a croony kind of a background, really relaxed. Uh, reading newspapers, doing nothing, sipping coffee. That is actually how a Saturday morning goes, and that's why this song perfectly fits. All right, so looking back on the week, uh, Mark, so reflecting actually on the week, um, any news that caught your attention this week? <laughs> well, there's so much news going on in uh, in the financial industry, but also outside of the uh, financial industry. So. What is actually the big thing? The two things come to mind immediately. First of all, what's happening to Deutsche um, in the restructuring part? That says yeah. something not a, not only about Deutsche, but about the total financial industry and about the banks in general. That is one. And the other point is also connected to the financial industry. That's all the stuff that's going on around Libra. Yeah. Right. You can't yeah. miss it if you're no. in this business, and you can't miss uh, you can't miss Libra. And I guess the two most important statements of this week, and because the announcement on Libra was uh, slightly earlier, are the statements from uh, regulators around the world. Uh, first, the Chinese, uh, the Fed is now here. Uh, yeah. Mark Carney has said something uh, about it. So it's it's not going to be a walk in the park, and it's actually one of the most interesting things, I guess, from a regulatory perspective. You can't do this country by country. So what I'm really interested in is how this will go further. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, our, our first podcast uh, host, Chris Skinner, was speaking at the United Nations this week, and he we were we were WhatsApping, and it was a major topic there as well. Because on the one hand, they love it because it's got this liberating thing, access to finance for all. But on the other hand, we have no idea whether the impact for the other side of yeah, the, the, the people in the in in this world, the less fortunate, what the impact will be. So. It is to be continued, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, and, and the Libra, was it, um, was it a surprise for, uh, for you when no. it was announced? Or no. You already knew, probably. No, <laughs> of course. Actually, this is something that in, in 10 years ago we talked about, right? Everybody's talking about the big techs, huh? you know, our feelings about fintechs and big techs. Fintechs are enhancing the ecosystem. Big techs are actually threatening it. Um, and when you look at the the size of a company like like Facebook with two point whatever billion customers that's five times Europe guys yeah um, they are able to set something like this up and the 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 only thing that then comes to mind is are they have to play this according to the same rules that we have to play to is there a level playing field Uh, you know with PSD2 we have to give our data and opening up uh, ourselves towards others that would be a perfect moment, as far as I'm concerned, to ask Facebook to do the same. As they do, sort of more or less in Australia, isn't it? You know, they say it's got to be a two-way thing. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. The okay. level, the famous level playing field here. The famous level playing field. And and, and we'll get to this later. You know, the, the borders we draw in a virtual and in the real world. Uh, Mark, uh, again, happy happy that you, you, you want to see us on, on a Saturday morning. Um, ING is often named as a bank who gets it, not in the least by myself. But I think it's very important always that you look beyond the strategy and uh, the talk. Because as we all know, talk is easy, delivery is incredibly tough. Um, so before we go into the total Saturday morning mode, um, from a delivery perspective, what sort of excites you about open banking and what is the hardest part for you? So what, what really excites me is that we're about to enter a complete new era. Um, this is no longer companies operating in their comfort zone, uh, doing what they have done over a hundred years. It was very clear for everybody who does what, which regulation, who do you connect to, and now it's going to get blurried, right? And and finding your way through that unclear, uncharted territory, that is actually the interesting, uh, the interesting thing. The other one is... Can you can you by by creating that new ecosystem? Can you really de- deliver something that is better than what we have today? Is it really going to get better for you, for me? What kind of new things can we talk about that really yeah. going to help you in what we then call uh, uh, staying a step ahead in life and business? Our purpose yeah. of ING is to help our customers to stay a step ahead in life and business. By the way, there's nothing financials about financial about that. Is this really going to bring it? We think it is, eh, because that's our complete strategy is based on this starting point of the openness. The 2014 strategy, um, the uh, what we call the Think Forward strategy, is based on this principle, to be open. And now you have to deliver it. So there, it's excitement, and it's, on the other hand, it's all it's it's also being scared and not knowing what it's going to bring. So that means experimenting, making mistakes, taking a step back, two step forward. That's the kind of approach we like. And that fits within the culture of this company. Yeah, and it it, it does. And, you know, 
as a, as a fintech myself, I always find this because it's we are venturing into the unknown. And so it's really tough because people will say to us, for instance, like, well, what will be the earning model? What will be the pricing model of open banking services? Who's going to pay for it? Where's your five-year outlook on Excel? And it's like, but those models don't always work anymore, but it's very hard to do totally without them. So that's probably a challenge in, in, in your teams as well. Yeah, that, that, that is actually an interesting uh, contradiction that is happening because we want to capture everything in business cases. What is it actually going to yeah. deliver? And the point is we don't know. <laughs> What we do know that if in the long run you're able to serve your clients in the best way, they will stay with you. And that means that we have to look at not just a simple business case on a an item or a functionality or whatever, but is this really going to deliver value? Is this going to help to build our brand? And, um, and, and sometimes we get it and sometimes we truly, truly are completely wrong in, in, in how to bring this forward. Yeah, yeah sure. So I, I like your, your consumer angle. So do you consume any fintech outside yourself, outside the ING menu? Consume in the sense yeah, of use. Do you have apps? Do you have myself? Do you yeah. yourself? Oh, uh, uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, look. If you if you want to work in this space, you need to you need to understand what others are doing, right? Uh, so that means looking into what the big techs are bringing to us, but also figuring out with our. And I'm extremely lucky. Yeah? We have an ecosystem of about 160 fintechs around us, where we work together with, where we. Uh, uh, experiment with. I'm being confronted by new stuff basically every day. So if you're working with all your eco ecosystem partners, so the measure, do you take your own measure like what do I use myself or how do you look at it? No. I understand you look at it from a banker with business cases, but no. no I can I can be completely honest here. If I would have judged everything on what I would like, yeah. then we would be in total misery because I'm not the example here. So I what, I what I get from using the apps of others is the how easy things look and and how difficult it is if you're not so good in all this cool stuff how to navigate through it and that that is what I'm seeing more and more by the way is the complexity of what is being asked to customer. If you go to our uh, let's say our national identification uh, 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 yeah, app, the Dutch, for instance, yeah. the Dutch one, yep. for instance, I find this extremely complex. How to get in it and when to use oh, your terrible. app and etc. etc. And then I think, okay, okay, that's not how you should do. I understand the reasoning behind it because I develop these kind of things. So I see the product guys behind it working on this. Mm -hmm. And they need these steps, etc. But if it's not self-explanatory, if you can if you cannot do this in four clicks, yeah, then it's going to be really difficult. And I can see that with my own parents, that I find a better measurement sometimes. Right. Yeah. My parents were lousy on desktops and, and laptops, etc. But once they got the iPads and, and, and that kind of stuff, they suddenly start to work with these things. Okay. So, and one of the lessons learned here is um, when we start uh, uh, new things is first of all to check it in the market. So and the days are gone where we're sitting here with a management team and saying, this is cool, we should do it, forget about it. Yes. Go out, uh -huh. you go out and literally go out, mm -hmm. stand here on this square outside and then try it. That is one, we need evidence, we need data that yeah. it's really, really working. And that's yeah. one of the other big things if you talk about open banking. The fact that it's much more data driven on the one hand, really proving that it's working. And on the other hand, the more lighter component or softer component in terms of customer experience 
yeah, that remains the difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, talking to treasurers, we're talking here about consumers. I'm I'm not the best measurement, but but if you talk to treasurers, yeah, that that's where we get excited. Yeah, talk to. And uh, that's also where we get where we get into trouble. Yeah. Uh, because uh, there's no one size fits all, right? No. And, and and we're now tracking, for instance, the uh, let's say the mentality, the age, and the, let's say the uh, I don't want to call it maturity, but at least the 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 savviness yep. of treasurers to work with new stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, five six years ago, we developed a mobile app for the treasurers, and two percent said it's fantastic, and ninety eight percent are you totally crazy? Yeah. Today that has shifted towards. 35% of the treasurer saying yeah. it's cool, okay. move on. So that is also one of the components that we take into account. And that's, I think, one of the most interesting things of open banking is that you see where, as before, lines were drawn between private and professional life, and you thought it was totally okay to go behind a blinking screen in work time. You now think, like, well, if I can do booking.com like this in my private time, at work you almost you know, expect the same ease of use. So... But before we go too much on this lovely Saturday morning back into open banking, which you and I and us, we could talk about for hours, I want to draw you back because months ago we had a conversation and you picked me because I was preparing my speech for Money 2020 and we talked about how it would have to be around purpose and why, in fact, as I said on stage, it's the only capital in life eh, at the end of the day. And... Um, and one of the examples I took, because I, I drew you know, inspiration from this, a number of historical f- figures and events. And one of them was Elsje, the girl, the migrant girl from Denmark, uh, beautifully painted by Rembrandt, who met a very tragic fate. And so for me, she is now in my mind every day when I work, because I think, do I also reach the unreachables with fintech? Or are we just trying to create another unicorn? And I think that we owe it to, you know, with our good lifestyle, that we owe it, that we embrace them. What is your take on that? I mean, what does purpose mean for you, you, Mark, in your work? To be, to be, to be very clear, it, you don't want to work for a company that doesn't have a true purpose. And the purpose of, of the bank, our bank, ING, is to really help people forward in what they're doing. Um, um, How can we make their lives easier when it comes to big decisions? And financials, in that sense, are only an enabler. And if you, with that mindset, start to work on that, then you don't think about unicorns. You think about how can we really prevent people from doing wrong things? How can we help them make the right decisions when it comes to either buying a house or shopping or whatever. And it's not to be, let's say, uh, uh, the parent that, that is looking after his children, but... No, it's if not I, parental if, guidance. No, but, if you, no, but if, you, if you talk to simply talk to your family and friends, and you don't talk about financials, uh, we hardly talk about financials, you talk about the real things in life. Yeah. It's getting married, children, pension, those kind of things. And there's always a financial component behind it. And, and in the number of years, and I started in a branch working actually with real people and yeah. seeing them and meeting them. And it's not so much different uh, 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 these days than it was uh, at, that, at that moment. How can we help them? How can we make it simple? Because we are focused on these financial par- on these financial stuff, but 98% of the population is completely not. No. 
And I'm not saying that they're ignorant or uh, uh, that they don't understand it, but we've created, let's say, a bubble where we think this is the center of the world. It is completely not. It is not. And that's what I said as well. You know, at 2020, we were sitting all sitting in a bubble and it's not like we're developing the next golden age. But to that point, Mark, how do you... Uh, because we do have, and we're going to move on to that topic later, but how do we make sure that with an overload of tech and technical possibilities, we do not create the next fourth industrial revolution where some people simply cannot join because they're not savvy enough, they don't have access to technology. I mean, not everybody is, you know, young and on his iPhone the whole day, to make it very blunt. You spoke about your hey, your parents, my father-in-law, same thing. Uh, but also migrants, people with less language skills. How do we make sure we include more people? Because we can do it, I think, with the new tech. Yeah, we we uh, we can do it, and we actually should, right? If you if you see the difference between what we call the more developed economy, economies and 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 the other economies, there are two things that are actually really important. One of them is income. It's really you, there is a huge correlation between income and health. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, yeah. Yeah, the higher the income, the, the better the health. Um, there's a, and one other thing. For instance, if people are able to register their uh, uh, their houses and their properties, it gives also some stability. There yeah. are there are two or three or four things. If you have them in place, you can see that the economy will grow. In that sense. It's not just looking at how can we make more money on international yeah. payments, but how can we include them and make it, make them part of, uh, 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 let's say, the life that we have here in the West, yeah, which is extremely economy. comfortable. Yeah. I once did a did a, a study for ING. It was years ago on how can we include uh, uh, Indian people. So we were looking at India at that stage. One of the things we learned very quickly, uh, because talking about opportunities, this is huge opportunities in terms of number. But instead of about th- instead about thinking about banking at the main at, at, at the first time, we thought about what do these people need? It's actually refrigerator, because there you can s- safely store stuff, a telephone so they can reach the world, and then if you got that, if you got electricity, you got light. Then maybe look at financial part of that. And combining that, that was one of the ideas that we had with partners and then rolling that out. That That is something that we really, and that drives me, that takes me to uh, to do that. There are still, the majority of the world doesn't have a bank account, doesn't even know how this works. How can we do that? Yeah. Well, well I do think, so we talked about it in, uh, in previous podcasts. And um, I mean, at the heart of this whole thing is data, right? Um, and, and you already mentioned it. And if you look into the future, there are a few schools actually. If you if you listen to Chris Skinner, he's he's got a very optimistic uh, view of the world. If you use that data, if you use it right, you can enable uh, financial inclusion and you can make steps in that area. If you uh, read the book of Yuval, he's got a very pessimistic view, right, on future. So, what's your take on this one? I mean, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 sometimes it depends a bit on the day. Uh, <laughs> Drowning uh, in data. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 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 look, I'm an optimist, so I'm, I have to share myself in the, in the in the in the corner of uh, of Chris in that sense to do the good things with it. But we shouldn't close our eyes for uh, the negative part of it. So I, I totally understand that you need. Uh, 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 
governments, uh, regulators to clearly look at this and to set the boundaries. And the same goes for us. Now, the, the, uh, I don't have to t- talk about <laughs> ING in combination with data, not always the lucky uh, uh, combination, but our intentions to really make things better by using data of others are really, really, really good. Um, but in some countries, the combination of banks and data is a, is a, is a clearly unlucky, uh, uh, unlucky and uh, an unfortunate uh, combination. But just think about what we've been doing, by the way, for decades with data, which we didn't call data at that stage, mm-hmm. fraud prevention, right? Your credit card is being misused by somebody. Hey, we see you now uh, walking to an ATM in France while five minutes ago you were still in Amsterdam. How is that possible? And then people say, yeah, that's very sure. clear. Of course, yeah. you should do it. Fantastic that you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also data, right? I know. This is based on data. But nobody calls it like data has a negative connotation by uh, from a lot of people being followed, being tracked, getting commercial advertisements and those kind of things. But let's start first with doing the right things here where it can be used for and there's no dispute. Exactly. Okay, the basis. So I, I totally understand. I, I do think that Jovo, you know, he he went on in, in years, right? So he was like, the marketeer knows you better than even you know yourself. So we already, the algorithm already knows what you're going to vote and what kind of shirts you're going to buy, <laughs> etc. But that's a world far away, probably. So so let's, uh, let's take it a little bit more back here. On, you see also cultural differences when you use data, right? So you've got Asia. Yeah. where they have a totally different look on data and the use of data uh, and the acceptance of the use of data as we see in Europe. Um, you travel a lot, I understand. So can you give us a little bit your perspective on that one? Why there is such a difference? And and also maybe the question could even be, will tech ultimately drive change in cultural behavior? <laughs> that last one is actually an easy one. The answer is yes. Huh? Yeah. Um, that's that's what we've that, that that is a simple uh, look at what we're doing with our smartphones uh, everywhere around the world. It unites people, brings people together. If you see young kids playing Fortnite with each other with a hundred kids all over the world that don't yeah. have a clue who they are, but they all speak, so they're sitting there with their headphones on and then they're shouting things and say, "Go left, go right." Yeah. Yeah. But that's fascinating. In their right? own I, hangout. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is that is the easy part uh, of it. Uh, the other the other part so you don't have to travel to asia to see the differences in terms of data and database it travel from belgium to the netherlands or the other way around and there is already a big difference right yeah germany is very strict on data Mm -hmm. and i get that Uh, uh, countries in eastern europe that used to be in a different regime where they were followed i get it i get it um so it will take time, but people make the connection between data and being followed, seen, observed. And you get all these nasty things that people are actually looking into this. And when you when you surf on a website, you suddenly get all kinds of advertisements on it. And there you make the connection. I think what is happening, the countervailing power here is that people understand it. And there's one thing, you can debate a lot about Europe and how uh, uh, diverse the landscape in terms of regulators are, etc., and what what you think about the European Parliament. But thinking about those fundamental things, how to protect yourself yeah. and who owns the data, mm-hmm. I think in that sense, Europe is ahead of the game. 
Um, and, and uh, the mistake we make is to trying to put it in all kinds of regulations and, law, and laws and those kind of things. But thinking about it and thinking about the fundamental rights of people yeah. to be safe, to be harnessed and protected uh, uh, against other things. There you find me really behind uh, that kind of uh, thinking. I think we should be careful uh, yeah. what we're doing. That's always the joke I make because when I travel and then of course particular to America people sort of hate the idea of the GDPR and they think it is just a constraint. I always nicely and neatly say I'm so happy to represent a very civilized continent where we've actually put this into law. And I think for the very same reason that is just incredibly important. But you've given me a perfect bridge um, because Mark it is impossible for us to have a conversation and not talk history. <laughs> and um, so in the old days, history was not very favored because people thought, well, if you look at history, you only look in the past and you glorify what's in the past. That's not the point. You look at the past to learn and reflect. And the past is often bloody and not pleasant and politically incorrect, but I still read it. And I don't judge it, but I observe it. And I know you do that probably even more than I do. So, uh, you know, I did the thing with the five historical figures that inspired me and sort of live in my head when I work. What would be your f- figure or event? I got a number as a number of these figures uh, uh, as well, but the first one that that comes to mind, maybe because I recently read a book about it again uh, and again from a different angle, is Julius Caesar. I find this still fascinating. That uh, and and not so much because he conquered and the bloody the bloody part of it, but there was a clear vision how to organize such an empire. Uh, if you talk about uh, uh, open banking and working in this space, this is about standardization and about bringing the same kind of uh, 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 governance, uh, etc. That's what these guys have done, and not only not only that, huh, they managed they managed an empire where you had to travel for days to get a message. And at the same time, they were able to do that for a number of, of years. Well, well, decades. Hundreds decades, of years. Hundreds of years, yeah, hundred, indeed. Un, until, in the end, of course, it all fell, fall, uh, fell down. But that I find fascinating. How in we are now struggling, for instance, to get uh, people together to make a standard for an API. And then you think, okay, we got a conference call, you sit people together. We find this difficult. Imagine that you have to do this in the good old days where you had to travel for months to achieve the same. I guess the world was a bit slower at that stage and now you demand instant... And the punishment was harder, I guess, (laughs) if you didn't do it. (laughs) I fully agree, but still, imagine trying to govern uh, a world like that and get that organized and standardized and still thousands years later, we still see the the basis uh, in in everything that we do. I find this fascinating. You can talk about others, right? And uh, this is my fascination of getting things done and organized, etc. One of the other fascinations is sometimes you bluntly have to say, we're going to do something and then see where you land. And that's where uh, uh, John F. Kennedy comes yeah. in. We're going to the moon. And today it's, uh, well, actually, we're very close to the, the, the moon, the first moon landing, right? Uh, when we're talking uh, here. And that is... Uh, looking at at the documentary that has been made there. Which documentary on the on the moon landing do you refer that's the, to? Uh, that's the Apollo Eleven. The uh, Apollo Eleven. That's yeah. now uh, uh, where they find all. Where they found recently all the material back that yep. they lost, which I find fascinating that you lose this kind of stuff. I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to to answer. Uh, it's a job that 
we collectively said that it was possible and we could do and, and of course that the nation itself is backing us so we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that um, but simply looking at what these guys have did uh, decades ago 50 years actually with basically nothing yeah i can't amazing. even drive my car <laughs> no no <laughs> well actually I, i do think this is a nice bridge and we i think we also have to close off a little bit uh, because of time but uh, it's a nice bridge so uh, traveling to the moon where are you gonna travel to this uh, this summer <laughs> mark <laughs> and not to the moon uh, by the way <laughs> um no uh we're, we're gonna get to spain uh and uh, very pleasant house uh, over there where we're going to chill out and uh, and relax a bit work a bit as well uh, work never goes away okay but also work with your hands that's also extremely satisfying because you can see the immediate results also of your clumsiness by the way yeah, yeah. Uh, no but that's going to be it really chill three weeks Fun. lovely family yeah. time and hopefully reading time what's what's uh, which book will be packed in either your e-reader or the suitcase well b- b- both actually both e-readers and suitcases um and i've got i think i got already 25 books or so on the list on average i read a book a day during the holiday wow. okay on average yeah on average yeah. so but sometimes <laughs> too but it can also be a bit small but i got um there there at, there's at least one book which i find fascinating i don't know actually how it's going to be but uh, it's in my uh, in my bag and it's called moneyland it's by uh, oliver bullow and i like the subtitle of it and that's actually uh, uh Tell me. why we got it it's why thieves and crooks now rule the world and how to take it back i call it moneyland it is a world that is essentially created by those people who are so rich they no longer are tied down by any country and we think of offshore as being something that applies only really to money and his money was offshore don't get me wrong it was owned via exotic shell companies numbered bank accounts foundations and all of the usual paraphernalia that the very very rich have who very much like enjoying the privilege of society but don't really want the obligations that go along with it and it's about the financial industry oh wow, wow. money okay. lands i well, always i oh. always read these self-punishing kind of things to be really back in into reality thank you very much we're going to make sure mark that uh, our um, listeners can uh, find both uh, documentary the music the books on our website um, thank you very much for listening to fintech cappuccino Don't you want to miss another cup? Subscribe to our podcast via Spotify, iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. And please give us a like or a review so many more Fintech Cappuccino lovers can find us then. Yes, and please join us again after the holidays and we have then another cup of coffee ready just the way you like it. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Mark. Thank you.